Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Conor O'Gara. Bachelor party weekend is over and you are still here. You survived. Connor, I went on a heater, which we are absolutely going to talk about because it's the highlight of my life. Also, yesterday on my flight back, sitting there in Vegas, I told you guys there's a very good chance I wasn't going to make it back. On my flight back, they... We were over, not overbooked, they were overweight by 3,500 pounds. And so they basically were like, we're gonna start taking luggage off. I was like, that's probably the most inefficient way to go about this, but sure. Yeah, so it's like 50 to <laughs> 75 pounds massively. Yeah, so then then they were like, <laughs> just keep in mind, there's these there's like these six, six younger black ladies behind me that were there for a bachelorette party from Birmingham, Alabama. And they come back on, they go, okay, we're gonna ask 20 people to volunteer to take a later flight. We're gonna offer $1,000 per person to do this. And they jumped up so fast, sprinted to the front of the plane, it was incredible. But yeah, Bachelor Party Weekend was fantastic. But you, you're you're here and you're you're with us now and you have a little bit more, more jingle in your pocket, I think. I, I played craps until five in the morning the last day there. I, I lost a lot of money the first two days and that, that last night. I went on just a, a tear, <laughs> and, and not only made back all the money that I like I'd spent and brought for the trip, but even more, and had a lot of hundred dollar bills stuffed away in, in my <laughs> in my Holy wallet. Cow. It was we were playing we played craps like I said till five, and it just every it just escalated so quickly. I couldn't lose. We were we were playing. I mean, I was we made about about two grand. <laughs> At this this craps table and Holy cow. and I had I had tipped out I I've probably lost like five hundred of it in tips to people because I was just like flicking like like fifty or twenty five dollar chips to people like this one girl who rolled video of this <laughs> you can't film at the table you can't film at the table oh, yeah. so I was like but I I hit I hit everything and there was there was at one point we were playing at a, a, a table at the Mirage at like. 2.30 in the morning, and I this girl, very young, very pretty girl, comes up, grabs the dice for her boyfriend, her boyfriend has that stupid Bama Bangs thing, and I was like, they look kind of southern, and all I hear is, roll tide, and start rolling, and I was like, let's go, <laughs> and we made like made a lot of money off them, and then went to Caesars till about, like I said, 5 in the morning, and uh, and couldn't miss, made a, made a lot of money, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I made more money than I made. I I I think I made out. I think I was up like fifty or sixty bucks to the one night that we went to the casino on Friday night. Um, Potawatomi Casino, in Milwaukee. Let me tell you, beautiful. Uh, it is it is lit. It is massive though. Um, but yeah, had a good time this weekend. We're nice. we're here. We're still like kind of in recovery mode. I can I can tell. But we bring the heat no matter what. Yeah, that's what we do. Speaking of heat, speaking of heat, a lot of stuff to get to today. Uh, <laughs> Tom Herman calling Texas the mecca of college football. We've got uh, fall camp is off and running. Talking season is here. We've got an interview coming up later with uh, Rachel Barbeau that we recorded at SEC Media Days. We've got fourth and wrong. Before we get to all this, before we get to all that, we have to talk about some Zach Smith stuff. And I realize there are a lot of people who heard those words and they just groaned. And they said, I am sick of Zach Smith. I thought he was in our rearview mirror. You know what? He, I, I, I thought so too. Um, and to be honest, I'm partially to blame for this. So we're going to talk about two different subjects related to Zach Smith, and then you know we're going to we're going to move on from him. I promise. Yeah. The former Ohio State coach, who obviously everybody knows the way that this went down last year and what happened with all this, but he was in the news again because we saw all those texts that were released from Ohio State, basically detailing Zach Smith and Urban Meyer conversations. Um, these texts made it look like Zach Smith had been offered a job at Alabama after the 2017 season to come on as the passing game coordinator slash wide receivers coach. And then um, what had happened was Nick Saban addressed the matter and said, no, we interviewed him, but then we did a background check, decided that, you know what, we're going to go in a different direction. So we Real also found out. That, I just want to say I was very happy to see several people in the sports media world um, decide to make that uh, assessment, I guess, or jump to that conclusion from those right. emails. Based on the text, yeah. Based on the text from Urban Meyer, who we all know has never, ever been non-forthcoming or 
untrue with his words before. Right. So the the take that um, it was corroborated actually by by Courtney Smith, Zach Smith's yeah. ex-wife, and uh, my newest tw- Twitter follower, Sick Bragg. Um, she actually also tweeted over the weekend, and not many people saw this. She said, "A female who worked full time at Alabama at the Alabama offices had a bad experience with Zach Smith. Um, then she pretty much blocked the hire. That apparently counts as a background check. Mm-hmm. So that's apparently what we know from this whole this whole saga that unfolded. Yeah. For for a little bit, it looked like holy cow, like Saban just looks like absolute crap." Even this though this came out into, eight months prior to this, this was this apparent like hire or a, a job offer was eight months prior to any of this stuff coming out in the media. After the 2017 right. season, exa- right? So uh, obviously, Bama goes on to hire Josh Gaddis. Josh Gaddis was a home run, yeah, uh, a home run and a half, um, and he will be coaching a Power Five program in five years. Let me tell there you it that. Is. Um, but basically, the way that this looked was really bad for Bama for a limited period of time. And then we all just kind of got back to the belief of, oh, yeah, it's Urban Meyer and it's Zach Smith. And, you know, this is the way that things often work with these, these back and forth, these miscommunications about who got what job, all that stuff. All right. So Zach Smith was in the news for that. I'm going to address this once, and then I don't ever want to address it again. I'm going to be 100% real with you guys right now because I have some regrets about this whole situation and the way this played out. For those of you who don't know, Zach Smith went on his podcast, which I don't even want to say the name of because I don't even want to give him that that sort of spotlight platform, whatever it is that he's after right now as he's falling off the college football mountain continues. He basically fell off it last year. Right. So he came out and you know criticized Dan Mullen, said that he, you know, said that he's he is a good, he's a really good, great X's and O's coach, but just doesn't think that he has what it takes to be a great recruiter, blah, blah, blah. Said that he didn't think that he necessarily like he, what he was basically trying to say is like he didn't think he earned the Florida job when he got it. All these things like blah blah blah, just Florida like kind of discrediting. That's what the only he, reason he it wasn't as prestigious. That's why he was able to get it. Right, exactly. He's like, oh, Florida wasn't a top five job in the way that it was when Urban was hired right. back in the day, and it's like, all right, that's okay. And then he conveniently Weird. leaves out where Urban left the program when he left in 2010. Weird flex, Zach. Weird flex. So I come out and basically say. Who is Zach Smith to criticize, like, who gets a job and for what reason? Like, in all seriousness, like, coming from Zach Smith, criticizing Dan Mullen for recruiting and stuff like that and saying, like, this guy didn't earn the job that he got when Zach Smith, his grandpa, was Earl Bruce, a guy who was obviously the mentor of Urban Meyer. And Urban Meyer came out and said, yes, keeping Zach Smith on staff had a little bit something to do with the fact that his grandpa was his mentor and it created a really awkward situation while he was going through all that he was going through at Ohio State. So, basically, that was what I wrote a comment about. Came out and basically said, like, this is, it's, it's ridiculous to hear him call somebody else out and say that Dan Mullen can't get to uh, an even better place in college football and to just completely over, you know, completely overlook what he did at Mississippi State and say yeah. that he can't recruit based on what he did there in Starkville. So, Zach Smith goes on his podcast, calls us saltiness down south. Nice. Says, says he had never heard of Saturday down south. All right, whatever. No big deal. Not, not important. Um, and basically, like, blasted me and called out where I went to college, said, oh, because I went to, you know, he's like, oh, you know, who are you to criticize me? You just went, you, like, you're a journalism student from Indiana and blah, 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 and went on and on about saying that I was butthurt also about him criticizing Dan Mullen, which I think for those of you who have listened to this have known that I've kind of gone back and forth on this, and I've said what I think Dan Mullen does really well. I think that there are things that he comes up short in. Connor, don't, do not even feel the need to apologize because somebody just throwing out just that phrase alone about you being buttered, about what? About, Seriously. Uh, like you, have no, you have no ties to Dan Mullen. You have no correlation to Dan Mullen. You have no relationship with Dan Mullen. That is, not, that is a ridiculous thing. Do not apologize for that. Zach Smith, just mm, go on. So Zach Smith... Um, said that I was just searching for content and that I was just looking for clicks because apparently that's that's what we do. That's just, just looking for clicks, blah, blah, blah. Oh, by the way, Zan- Zach Smith actually led his podcast talking about that. <laughs> so there's just no irony there at all whatsoever. Right. So my regret is I regret giving him a platform. I, I regret making this an actual thing, and, and I don't want it to be a thing moving forward. I don't want to continue to talk about Zach Smith. He is not worth our time. He is not something that's worth addressing, and I no. totally regret b- taking his opinion for what it is and making it some sort of thing. So I'll step off the soapbox now. I'll say this. You've said a lot of dumb things in this history of this podcast since I've known you. 
This was not one of them, Connor. I'm proud of you. This is this is not something to apologize for. People, my two least favorite things that people throw around on social media nowadays is just saying someone's butt hurt because they have an opinion that they disagree with, and then right. saying, "Oh, we're living rent free in your head." Like, what does that even mean? What does that even mean? The bottom line is, you know what? There's it's it's it, during the off season. There are a lot of times that we will we try to come up with like ideas. We have like the peak off season content. This is not one of those things. Okay, like like this person. If it wasn't somebody that was so stable and and enjoyable and likable, it'd be it'd be tough to. I'm kidding. He's none of those things. He's absolutely none of those things. And and to say that you were doing something like because you were butthurt right. or saying that you were trying to just get clicks or drive content, that's literally all this person has done. It's just as he's falling from the top of, of where he was professionally and continues to go down to what I'm assuming at some point he will hit is rock bottom. He is just constantly trying to grab other people down to pull himself back up and still be in the limelight. You messed up. Just take the L, Zach. Walk away for a little while and sit this next one out. Because you have and your, Go ahead. And, and the difference is, so he's saying like, okay, well, who are you? Like, you're, you know, you're a journalist, like, criticizing somebody. Like, what gives you the right to criticize and why can't Zach Smith criticize? The difference is I wasn't fired from that job in my, in my profession. And I'm not right. like, I'm not sitting here in a position where I'm like going after other journalists yeah. and saying, oh, this is what this person's doing wrong. And I'm, I'm able to sit here. Give me a break, man. Like that's that's not what this is about. Like my employer never decided, okay, we need to fire you because you've made a national embarrassment of us. There's a very big difference and there. Then, and the fact that he's still trying to criticize people yeah. that were in his profession, I'm not trying to do that. I'm trying to criticize the, the, the profession that I follow and I cover for a living and that's what I get paid to do. Yeah, that's what journalism, journalism students from IU do. It's exactly yeah, sorry, what you man. do. No, I mean, there's no reason to apologize. It's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, I'm glad that we made his podcast fantastic. And just, you know, keep coming out with those hits, man. Let's move on sure. to the next subject. Let's move on. We don't want it. We'll, we'll move past. We'll actually put this in the rearview mirror. Tom Herman. You'll love this. God, so I hope Tom Michigan Herman. beats Ohio State this year. <laughs> that's, just, that's the last thing I'm gonna say. I just and don't you ever, ever, ever come at either one of us about something with nepotism. If you if about a job, you did a great job, Connor. You don't get to have Thank a you. job based off of nepotism and then sit here and point the finger at other people. Go into the lesson. Here we go. <laughs> Zach Smith's former best friend, Tom Herman. Um, so Tom Herman came out and said that Texas. He said on uh, Golik and Wingo, he said that Texas is the mecca of college football. Now. I want to give both contexts of that because I don't want this to be necessarily taken out of context and I want to provide both examples of what he possibly could have meant. Here's the entire quote that he said on Golik and Wingo last week. He said, I fell in love with big time college football as a graduate assistant here at Texas and I'm a division three guy and had coached a year at division three football and all of a sudden I'm, at, I'm a graduate assistant at the mecca of college football. So. It certainly was appealing back then, and we're proud to be back 20 years later as the head coach, but I think the state of Texas does well when all of its in-state schools do well, but when you're the university of whatever state it is, you carry a responsibility to make your state proud. Okay. On the surface, you read that headline, and Tom Herman says Teca, Texas, <laughs> Teca, Texas is the mecca of college football, and you're like, bro, okay, two top 25 seasons in the 2010s decade. You told me that hysterically. Yeah. So... <laughs> Two top 25 seasons in the 2010s decade, one season of double-digit wins in that stretch, zero conference titles, three seasons missing a bowl game. Okay, if, if Tom Herman is, is, is actually pointing back to 20 years ago when he arrived at Texas as a grad assistant, that's cool too, but you should probably have this in mind as well. So in 90, before the 1999 season, um, Texas had not had a top 10 season since 1983. That is uh, mind-blowing to me. Isn't it? A little bit. Didn't even realize it was that bad. Knew it was bad. Not that bad. Two seasons of double-digit wins during that 15-year stretch. So whatever context Tom Herman is trying to say about Texas as the mecca of college football, I'm not sure it has the legs that maybe he thought it would. Yeah, so I, I was shocked uh, when you when you brought this up because, you know, the, line, the headline's going to be Tom Herman says Texas is mecca of college football, sure. That's not... That doesn't really do it justice. Justice, like the the context of it, makes sense what he's saying. Like, like you know, he's coming into saying like, I'm, I'm, I'm going towards the mecca of college football because not stating that that's what it is now necessarily, but like this. Right, right. You come as like this, like you know, what is it, bright eyed, bushy tailed little kid, and you come in, and all of a sudden you're you're thrust into this position of like, oh man, like I'm, 
I'm in. I'm. You know what's gonna happen in a couple weeks, Connor? When we go cover the Chick Fil A kickoff game, I'm gonna be like, I was bartending a couple weeks or two years ago. Now I'm like actually in a press <laughs> box covering football. Like you get True. excited, Good you have point. a chance to like romanticize things and like maybe bigger than they really are. This is. I get what he's saying. Texas is one of those national brands that it does have a staying power. It does have the feeling that like I, calling it the mecca of college football isn't that unreasonable. Calling it the mecca of football would make more sense because of. But they, they do have a tendency to have to have a, a I mean because you think about it like the Dallas Cowboys are a national brand. Yep. Any any a hole you ever see wearing a, a Golden State Warriors jersey is also going to be wearing a Dallas Cowboys jersey come come every fall. I know I'm going to catch some and a LeBron Lakers jersey probably exactly exactly exactly. Um, that's that's a better reference. But yeah, so and I know I'm going to catch some heat for that since I'm a Red Sox <laughs> and Bama fan. Awesome. But um but no like like that and then like they they obviously have a tendency to. Really brag about those high school football, just stadiums, programs, talent, all that kind of stuff, and with good right. reason. But college, yes, it's kind of fallen. It's that that little it's, sandwich of, of level of, of football in the state isn't as isn't as great as they, they once was. They've essentially had like, and, and so obviously, like everybody who is like pro Texas is going to point out, oh, why didn't you talk about the 2010s decade? Like talk about how good they were when they had Vince Young and when they had Colt McCoy and all that stuff. That's true, but we're still talking about a program that's had one decade of national relevance. One of the last three decades they've been nationally relevant. That's it. Right. Um, so that's 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 my my only point. If that's what he's trying to say, of like, oh, this is still, you know. It's a. I, I get what he's trying to say, and I get that it's all about recruiting and and all that stuff. And you still want to make the program seem like it is this this dominant premier program that everybody wants to come to. I mean, that's the that's why he references Mecca. Yeah. Mecca. If you look up the definition of it, is places that that gather a that places that warrant a, a large following that brings right. people in from from the outside world. It's like you know you got to see it. You just got to come to Mecca. You yeah. gotta You gotta make. You I, know. You gotta make that trip. I, I don't I'm, know if Texas is at that place yet. I don't, I don't know, and it's, it's, I remember growing up, like, when I was, like, my, and my dad and grandpa would always talk about, like, the glory days of Bama, and I was like, oh, when, do, when do I get to see that, because we're, like, right. we're seven and four again, this sucks, um, I mean, yeah, it, it's, I, I could see what he's saying, but, like, for me, if you are gonna, if you are gonna label something like that, like, for Texas especially, it, this, this is, blows my mind, this is like Notre Dame not making a bowl game, there's no, there's no excuse for this to happen. You know There's I mean? less of an excuse for Texas than, than Notre Dame. I've, I've talked about, no, about that before. I think Notre Dame, it's a little bit tougher just because you have to work with the academic requirements and stuff like that. Texas, you have the ultimate in-state recruiting ground. Right. You, yes, you do have a great national brand, all those things. It's it's a little bit little bit different than the, the dynamics that are at play at Notre Dame. Right. So what I'm trying to say is when Texas doesn't have a, a, player, a single player drafted right, in the right. NFL draft, that is the same for me as Notre Dame not making a bowl game. Because, sure, yeah, the academic stuff, all that kind of – Whatever they can win six games at Notre Dame with with their schedule, they they can definitely win six games. But it blows my mind when you have like when you have this level of disparity, I guess, and like there's like a gap between what you're saying, what you're building the program out to uh, out to be, and then what it is. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you we all kind of hold Texas in this high esteem. Like, you know, I know we joke around about like is Texas back? Like they haven't they haven't been elite necessarily in the past like ten years, but. Yeah, you know, we kind of hold them on this like this this pedestal, of, like this is Texas football, and then you talk right. about them not having a single player in that state. How do you not have a single player drafted? <laughs> like, is, you should have a top five class. You should have a player drafted in at least first or two rounds every single year. You should be constantly fighting or playing for for championships. Yeah, it's interesting too because I'm not saying this is going to happen, but like hypothetically, very very hypothetically speaking, um, if Texas were to win a national championship this year, yeah. that comment would have been so perfect post national championship to be able to say that because everybody's yeah. like, oh dang, like that's that is that is quite the statement. It's I mean nobody would necessarily argue with him right. at that point, but given the current context, current landscape of, of college football, what would you consider? And the obvious answer for this is Bama. I realize that disagree. Oh, interesting. What is the current mecca of college football? The place that people come to no matter what. It's it's an experience. You're like, hey, this is like a, a bucket list thing to come and see, to come and experience one time if you're a college football fan. I I think it's I mean, I think it's Death Valley at night. I think that's one you could say. I would agree. I had that in there as well, yeah. For me for me, if I had them like the Rose Bowl would be the Mecca for me. Ooh, that's um, good. That's not a program necessarily, but the Rose Bowl in general, that's just there's that is, we had this conversation on the car ride back to the airport uh, yesterday in Vegas. Like, this, our taxi driver was like, "Yeah, actually, I looked into some tickets and went to the USC Texas game for the national title a couple years ago." And I was like, 
the 2005 game? Yeah. The greatest game ever? Like, But, like, that would be – I think that would be bucket list. If you're talking about from a recruiting standpoint, like, like – from a coaching standpoint, people yeah, people do come from all over and gather to Bama like to Bama to see what is going like what is Saban doing? Like how is he teaching this like what is this process that he is coaching about? Like, can I get my foot in the door and become an assistant or an analyst and then you know revamp or revamp my, my resume or something like that? From a recruiting standpoint, Clemson kind of seems <laughs> like just that. yeah, because it encompasses the atmosphere too. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that you have to take into account. And you've talked about this before. Like, yeah, Bama's Bama's awesome, but there are better atmospheres in college football. Mm-hmm. And something I I think you could point to I think you would point to either Death Valley and say, Hey, this is something that you need to experience. You need yeah. to see this place at its peak. And there's, that's kind of what, what takes this what takes that into account. That's the best way to put it, Connor. And there's there's I've I've been a, a diehard Alabama fan since I was four years old at an unhealthy unreasonable level (laughs) and there is I'm getting chills right now thinking about it there is something absolutely special about sitting there in Memorial Stadium in Clemson South Carolina in little old Clemson South Carolina and you hear those sirens start going off just like we're at my apartment here in Atlanta you hear the sirens they come (laughs) around the stadium and and they once they come you just see that first orange and white helmet come out of the out of the uh, like from the top of the hill it's a really cool thing to see just just like it would be cool to see you know the big game up in Michigan, Ohio State. That maybe Texas, Oklahoma. I think that'd be kind of fun. But or yeah. Death Valley at night. Like those are those are all things I think would they could kind of clarify. As, but I don't think people are trying to come out in droves to come to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And that was your that that was actually a very unbiased take from you. I like yeah. that. That was good. Um, fall camp is off and running, as we talked about the other day. The, the early storyline, some of the early injuries, we want to hit on a, a few different things here yeah. and kind of just work our way uh, Ooh, Don't say hit on. Don't say hit on. We've, after the oh, first we subject we were talking about. So. Yeah, post-bachelor party weekend. Oh, 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 you went there. Oh, oh yeah, okay. I did. I was, I was, going, I was oh. not taking the high road. I was making a reference to the first person we talked about. Keep going. Goodness. Okay. Um, so um, a few different things came out from the first weekend of fall camp. Uh, one, of this, one of these things was... Very, very interesting. Here, yeah. Mar- Marlon David Davidson talk about Gus Malzahn, and he said that he is a different kind of guy. He said it's magnified. He's gotten after our butts the first three days. You can see a different type of guy now that he's calling the plays. He's not as laid back as he was. He's now more take charge. He's done a good job, too. And that's somebody on the defensive side who's coming out and saying this. We've I talked about this a lot. Yeah. Oh, I mean. I'm kinda... sure he was panting and out of breath while he was saying this, too, because when Gus Malzahn is on and calling plays, that is a scary thing for defense. I've, as a fan watching my team against it, it seems like I'm out of breath watching it. They're going to be going at a fast pace. How many shirts would you sweat through <laughs> if you were on the, uh, the Auburn defensive line in a given um, in a given fall practice? I, oh my! God, I, I would need. I mean, that's why I still wear that Red Sox jersey for like every third day of summer because it's mesh and I can it breathes. Um, you'll be happy to know I didn't sweat through my shirt at the sports book at the Westgate one for I was there for five hours didn't sweat through it once yeah that's indoors that doesn't really that doesn't ever matter and you know that. but no <laughs> anyway back to the Auburn thing yeah but I, I think this is uh, this is something that we've talked about throughout the offseason just with Gus Malzahn kind of embracing this 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 new personality that he's trying to have as is the guy who's calling plays once again and he he realizes what's at stake here and we saw him come out and really address the the hot seat stuff kind of head on at SEC media days and I love this version of Gus I've been saying this for a little while like yeah. this is the Gus that we've kind of been waiting to see we'll wait to see how that translates to the on-field stuff but that is exactly the type of comment that I would like to hear from a veteran who's been around Gus for the last four years and has understood like okay we, this 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 isn't just business as usual for Auburn. Like so many, this is the time for cliche quotes and all that stuff. This is the time when yeah, something like that does carry some weight, and that's why we're sitting here talking about it today. Yeah, I agreed, and I think I don't know if you actually referenced this, but I know it's in the doc. You said I'm sipping the Auburn Kool Aid a little more every day. A little more, that's, a little more. I and I couldn't agree more with that. And it's funny the way you mention it because the Auburn Kool Aid is that was a derogatory reference that me and my family used to make about about their fans a lot when I was growing up but that, I I'm I'm with you man I I think that I noticed it at media days and there's something about Gus like I said like when he when he is confident in what he's doing and he feels like or, or and and he he knows that it's like what's at stake I I got to say I think that, that he's going to be a, a kind of a nightmare to deal with for some defenses I don't know if that's going to translate into winning 12 games but I do know that it's going to translate into him. Like, I think he's going to get the best out of out of his offense this year. 
So we're sipping the Auburn Kool-Aid a little bit more every day, but we're definitely not going to be sipping as much Auburn Kool-Aid as as on Johnson, the oh former Auburn running God. back, came out and tweeted that hey, that Auburn's going to win it all, um, and then said continue back continue with uh, the rest of your day as planned. Um, you can carry on Johnson on Twitter nowadays. Yeah, um, you can just throw that out there. I like the confidence. Um, I'd feel a little bit better about that prediction if Carryon Johnson were coming back and playing for Auburn. Uh, even then, I don't. I don't know. That's that's tough. That's Kerryon tough. Is a fifty to was, one dog right now? He was the most overrated SEC. Oh, yeah, he was. He was. I I called out before that iron the Iron Bowl. I remember saying, like he first off he averaged only like five point three yards per carry and won the Offensive Player of the Year in the SEC. I mean, he took on a lot of volume. You could go back, and it's the before and after, too, sure. of seeing what that team was when he wasn't healthy. And obviously, he got hurt down the stretch in the Iron Bowl, and that many people would point to that as or maybe one of the reasons, not the reasons. Well, I mean. <laughs> I mean, I just, I remember going into that Iron Bowl, and I was like, I guarantee what's going to happen here is that on Johnson's going to have, like, 28 carries for, like, 105 yards, and they're going to blow it out to be this huge. He had over 100 yards against Bama's defense. I think he ended up going for, like, 29 carries for 103. It was like it was just it was just it was like a Big Ten back type of thing. It was like just three yards in a cloud of dust. Shout out Beanie Wells. Beanie Wells, what a reference! You didn't think Beanie Wells would come up on. on I did not. Uh, you definitely didn't. How about a little Sean Green? Yeah, we can go there. I don't want. I don't um, want to go there. Let's get yeah, to the next part before to. I lose my my damn mind. Oh, and by the way, um, that's so Auburn over the weekend. Um, two injuries to receivers already. Yeah. Anthony Schwartz, the, the fastest man in college football. Uh, looks like he's going to be out for a little bit because he needs hand surgery, um, and he's probably. It was reported that he's going to be out to start the season. To start the season, uh, Eli Stove is another one that might just be more of a day to day thing. But that's not what Auburn wants to have with two two mobile quarterbacks who want as many guys as possible who can stretch the field. That's yeah. not ideal for that. But um, it is also talking season, as Carryon Johnson reminded us, Ugh. and our best friend Jordan Rogers went on Get Up. Um, and said that Georgia has a clear advantage over Alabama. Here's the, the full quote in context. So he said, I think this is the first year in probably a decade that Alabama has not been the most dominant team in the country, let alone the SEC at the line of scrimmage. I was on the sidelines for the SEC championship game and the national championship game, sick brag, and I have never seen an Alabama team get pushed around on both sides at the line of, the scrim at the line of scrimmage with Quinn Williams. So... I don't think that's the worst take I've ever heard oh from Jordan Rodgers. The worst take I've ever heard from Jordan Rodgers. How are they going to beat Alabama with Jake Fromm at quarterback since he's only only good enough to be a, a, a free agent in the NFL draft, man? Um, that is something that I think we've... we've I don't want to say that we've accepted it, but we've come to grips with the likelihood that Georgia is able to impose its will in Bama-like fashion and it's been doing that for the last two years. I mean, that's not necessarily anything new, but I think this year with the offensive line that they have returning, they have the ability to look all sorts of Bama, you know, Bama-like, you know, Bama 2012, something like that. Sure. What was the best, what was the best year of, of the Bama offensive, offensive line? line. Yeah. yeah. So can they look like that for an entire season? And can they even look like that in an SEC championship against Bama? I think that a lot more people are accepting that 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 is not something where Bama's just going to run run through a team like Georgia. Yeah. That's not new, but saying that Georgia is decidedly better, I think that's significant. So what I what I think is this: when you say if you if you remember this correctly, I said this last year. I said it halfway through the season. I said it at the end of the season, and I said it the day of the damn national championship game. The reason why Bama is going to struggle to Clemson and ultimately lose to Clemson is because they don't do well when they can't impose their will on the offensive line and they have right. somebody that can they can like punch them in the mouth up front. And that Clemson D-line was able to do that. What I don't like about this comment is Georgia has the best offensive line in the country. Yes, hands down. Georgia was able to, I wouldn't say, impose its will against Alabama in the run game for three quarters last year in the SEC championship Because they would have been able to close out the game. Exactly. The you don't yeah. you don't say impose your will and then blow a 14-point lead for the right. second straight year when it matters most. So what bothers me about this is the piecing together of facts of, you know, I was at the, on the sidelines of the SEC championship game, because that was the day he wouldn't take our interview. And um, Good point. People yeah. forget about that. And also the national championship game. I was at both those games, too. I'm sure he had a much better view and seat or whatever. But I've never seen an Alabama team get pushed around on both sides of the line of scrimmage. That didn't happen in both in both games. They were not pushed around 
on the on the uh, on the offensive and defensive side of the ball against Georgia and offensive and defensive side of the ball against Clemson. It was one and one. Like the, uh, the Georgia offensive line is really good. Clemson's D line last year did push Alabama around. That's not going to happen because that was three players off of a D line that were drafted in the first round, which I don't remember the last time we've ever seen that, if we have ever seen that. So, Georgia, you know who's not going to be doing that this year? Clemson, for one. And two, Georgia. Georgia's D line is not doesn't push anyone around. It doesn't push anyone around. And it hasn't last year. They were terrible. They were like, they were. Where were they ranked in the SEC in sacks last year? They were dead last in the SEC. They were dead last in the SEC in sacks. So when we say stuff, let's make sure it has some context and meaning, guys. That's all I'm saying. Now I'm all fired up. My heart rate's a little racy. (laughs) You know I'm still trying to come down from Vegas. Let's not do this. I think he was, yeah, I think he was really trying to to talk about George's offensive line against Bama's defensive line. And then Clemson's D-line versus, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I I can say things, too. So... (laughs) We talk about, you know, Kirby's said throughout this offseason, defensive line, we need people to step up. And yeah. obviously what, what happened last year, that was that was a weakness at, at many times for Georgia. And we're talking about the Georgia front seven, how they're going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback, do all those things. We just found out before we started recording this podcast that Brenton Cox, the former five-star recruit, was dismissed Monster. from Georgia. He has entered the transfer portal, and that is not exactly the best news that Georgia fans were hoping to have in the first couple of days of fall camp. No, and and you and you know with Georgia, they're at the point now where they can start saying stuff like obnoxious Bama fans used to say. It's like, well, it don't matter. We just plug and play. Another five star next they man. They can up. say that though. They, can, they really I know. can. They can. But at the same time, you lose a you lose a five star guy like Britton Cox. Like that's that's a loss, man. That's a, that's a big loss. And I know he only started one game last year. He started one game in the Sugar Bowl against Texas. He only had like 20 tackles, but he, he did have a sack, a couple tackles for losses. But I think the the bigger part of that is what he was able to do this year in the spring game. Right. Where he had two tackles for a loss, one sack, and I'm sure like in, you know, it's kind of limited action. But like, I would have expected big things out of him. And you needed it when, when you, if there is a vulnerability or, or a part of your team that is lacking in depth, especially on defense, it's the D-line. And they haven't been able to, I think, really keep or develop that talent. I mean, you know, we're we're two years away or two years um, past, I guess, when Trent Thompson, who was the number one or number two overall player in the country coming out of high school, right. not even getting drafted. So, uh, you know, these these five stars that that you know they they've been able to stockpile just crazily. You need you still need as many as you can. It's it's not one of those situations where it's like, oh well, we lost a talented guy with a five star five star label. We have another one just right like waiting in the wings. They needed him this year. I, yeah, I, and I would agree with that. I would also say, too, that, like, like you say, that we make the jokes about, oh, you just get, get another five-star, all that. It, it is kind of a product of the system that when you have this many five-star guys and stuff and that, that roster is just so loaded, it's going to make a different kind of headline than you would like a typical sophomore who's coming into, you know, sophomore who's, who we expect to be a starter for a national championship contending team. When you have so many five-stars, there's bound to be a couple stories like this. I'm not saying yeah. that makes it acceptable or easy to deal with, but I wouldn't necessarily like say it's you know I don't think it's like some big like indictment on on no. Georgia necessarily or, or all that. But you know, well, this like is what Dan Mullen has to say about it. But I mean, other than that, can we can we get Dan Mullen just weighing in on every sort of negative offseason story that comes out of Georgia? Like you would get, bring like, up Mullen. You would, Connor. No, let's have the reverse too. Let's have Kirby Smart doing it for Florida. Let's we'll play both sides. Everybody, we talk about the need for hashtag content. I mean, yeah. goodness gracious, that would be that would be electric. That would transfer portals just living rent free in our butt hurt heads. Twitter, Twitter would just <laughs> shut down. I think at that point. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, like when Twitter shuts down for an hour, it would just be like that for the rest of fall camp. Yeah, that's fair. Like, oh, Georgia and Florida fans, like, get it again, man. Can't Kirby came out and said this. Yeah, that would not be good. Um, but yeah, we're we're going to continue. We'll we'll kind of go through some of these these storylines as they continue to develop. Obviously, some of these things are, are very fluid, but it's kind of a good reminder of like, oh yeah, we have actual football coming up, and these these injuries and guys we've yeah. been talking about all off season. You know, even just a headline like Kelly Bryant and Albert O went down, didn't finish practice because they, they went down with injuries. Yeah, so what the hell, exactly. Guys? So, so something like that can slip past us. So I don't mean to say like we're overlooking certain storylines if they don't come up. But did anything you know, these, happen at, at Bama? Fan Day, is Saban still alive, right? He's still good. Well, I know Tennessee Fan Day was was canceled, and there was a kid who was really upset about it because he wanted to see um, somebody get run over, as T- he said. Tennessee being Tennessee Fan Day being canceled. All I saw that headline, and all I could think about was that line from the movie Heavyweights, where where Ben. If you've seen Heavyweights, please God tell me you've seen Heavyweights. Oh my gosh, of course. Okay, wait, but, but what's his name? Ben. Uh, what's his What's his Ben Stiller. 
and he's he's Tony Perkins, and he just goes, "Lunch is canceled due to lack of effort." <laughs> like that's what I what I saw. I was like, "Tennessee fan day is canceled." That's I was like, "Oh God, was it from a lack of effort? Like what happened?" Aww. I was worried though. I, I was out there in Vegas, obviously on Saturday, um, and and I, I I knew that fan day was happening back in Tuscaloosa, and I was just a little bit worried because you know how some of our fans get. I'll say before we move on to the next subject, my favorite thing that's ever happened, like from a band fan recorded, is that fan day when they they had that. They're in line to meet Saban, and it's all like the Walmart gumps that are, that are in line to meet him. And all of a sudden, you just see, like this guy, like just like four or five people back, just like trying to search, see, just to get a glimpse of him. And he's like, "I'm so proud of you, Nick." <laughs> and, and, and the look of uncomfortableness that came over Saban's face was just—it was priceless. So I love this fans who just trample each other to be able to run as as soon as they can to get the the interviews and all that stuff. Those, those pictures are always great when they come yeah. Out. That is, that is um, a, literally a herd of elephants. Jeez. <laughs> let's, let's kick it to uh, our interview that we did. Uh, so I recorded this interview uh, a couple weeks ago at SEC Media Days. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Rachel Barbo is, uh, has a, a changing the narrative platform. She goes and speaks at, at a lot of different colleges across the country, across the SEC. And she's also a Sirius XM radio host as well. So kind of a, a different type of interview and some of the stuff, some of the off-field stuff that we, we talked about. Kind of a perfect uh, episode to bring it up on now that I think about it. Yikes, your words, not mine. Uh, but yes, let's kick it to our interview with Rachel. We're now joined by Rachel Barbeau. Okay, this has been a long time coming. You are, you're kind of everywhere now with this changing the narrative um, initiative that you started up a couple years ago. Uh, you're here at SEC Media Days. Can you give us a little bit of background as to you know how this whole thing started and what you've been able to do with it these last couple years? You know, it's funny you say that. Is I think the um, I operate out of two silos, and I'm I'm not a fool. I'm very aware of that. Um, I have reporter Rachel, host mm -hmm. Rachel, and I have activist Rachel, and I try to be respectful of each, either one of those roles. Um, for example, I don't go report on what happened or you know talk about what happened unless it's been told me that you know that I can share it in those meeting rooms. Yeah. And I don't use my. Somebody asked me. Um, we said, do you use your serious XM shows? Do you talk about changing narrative? Not unless somebody brings it up. Yeah. Um, so I definitely have two distinct roles, and sometimes they blend, and sometimes they don't. So um, changing the narrative started in 2016 is a response to what was going on in college football. If you remember, 2016 was dark. Yeah. It was dark. It was all ugly. the Baylor stuff Summer came out. Baylor, yeah. Penn State, sexual assault, just crap stuff around the country. And, and I just thought we can do better. And I knew that there were so many good young men and good coaches that were playing, but they were getting overshadowed by these guys that were doing it the wrong way. Right, right. And so I just said, you know what? I'm just crazy enough to think that I could affect change. And so I created this curriculum like, at the start, it was super simple. It was like, who are you away from the football field? What if you never were a football player? What makes your heart beat faster? Now it's morphed into purpose, passion, platform. Be a king every day of your life. Mm -hmm. Interpersonal relationships, domestic violence, standing up for your teammate, for a woman. Um, I speak to women now too. And mental health is a huge topic in our talks now because they've taught me they're struggling at a large rate, a large clip. You just went and spoke at LSU not too long yeah. ago, right? Yes, yeah, love. There are certain administrations that say, we wanna do this and hold your hand long-term. Mm -hmm. No lie, some administrations say, or coaches say, we checked the box, you came in, see you, we'll never talk to you again. Right. Okay, um, it is what it is. Some administrations though are my dream administrations that say, we're gonna do this long-term. Went in for football, major effect, came back in, talked baseball, all their female athletes, oh, wow. all their other athletes, football again. And Ed Ocheron here this week was like, Rachel and their deputy AD, Verge Osbury, said, I'm not blowing sunshine up your butt. He said, but that talk, the second time, it wasn't a talk, it was question and answer, past the mic. It was like, I've never seen them so engaged. And I think for it's a number of reasons. One, I don't want anything from them. It, you know, a lot of these athletes, people want something from them. I don't yeah, want it's, money. it's a non-for-profit thing that yeah, you're doing. Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't want anything from them. And then two, I'm speaking their language, mm -hmm. and by, you know, PJ Fleck, my friend from Minnesota, says, "Rachel, you don't come in and go, D -d 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 -d, you, you, and down at them. You are lifting them up. You're saying, right. I believe in you. You're amazing. You're a king." And he said, "It's just completely different the way you talk to them." So, how many SEC schools have you have you spoken to since you started this platform? Yeah, so all of them minus Florida, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, 
Arkansas and Mississippi State. And Mississippi State and Georgia. Gotcha. So, okay. Working on the rest of those. I'll talk to I'll talk to my guy Joe Moorhead today. Yes. We'll, uh, we'll get We're that We're working set on up. that one. Yeah. I know. Okay. Like, okay. come on, coach. Come yeah. on. He says he actually saw him at a coaches uh, event uh, at Alabama football coaches event in January, and I walked in and he said, "We want you." Yeah. And I said, "Sounds great." So sometimes getting it from "We want you" to landing the plane is is a little bit tougher, but um, but yeah. So that I, I look forward to visiting Mississippi State. And the the thing that's that's interesting though is that you could go to these schools and you could speak and you could feel like change was made in this given day and then you could see a story two weeks later sexual assault this program how tough is that and is there a case that kind of stands out in your mind where you're like I just got finished speaking at this school and not to say that my words didn't land with them but you're not going to be able to control the actions of 85 you know 100 kids like that no and you know here's the thing with that if I can affect just one if I can get the one guy to say, to be able to police the other guy and say, dude, she's not good for you. This isn't a good situation. I need to take you out of here. We need to leave. I had a player in a school message me privately and say, I'm injured and I'm angry and I'm not treating my girlfriend right. And I know it. And I'm wow. very scared of what I may do. Can you help me? Point blank. Can you help me? I have, don't have tools in my toolbox to be able to handle this. Maybe I need therapy. And I mean, I was bawling yeah. when I got this private message. And um, I said, Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I said, if you'll allow me, I'm going to call your coach, and I'm going to see if we can't get you some therapy on download, on the download, some mm -hmm. anger management therapy. And um, the coach said, this is so crazy because I was at this school at his age, had the same problems with anger management therapy, or and needed it and got it. And he mm -hmm. said, so it's come full circle for me. And the guy went and got therapy. And check this out. What if you'd never called me? What if I'd never been at that school? And what if he had crossed the line, wasn't a bad guy, right. didn't know how to handle himself, put his hands on the girlfriend. We now have another victim and another perpetrator and he's lost his football career. That's tough. I mean, it's tough to have that to have that thought in your mind of, to thinking about you know the, the seriousness that you're dealing with. I mean, uh, we're, we're talking about, we're here at Media Days and we're talking about you know whether or not an offensive line is gonna be better yeah. this year than last year. And like you're dealing with something obviously way, way, way more serious. The college football aspect of, the, yeah. of it, though, and yeah. what you what you look at on a, on a you know given ba on a given daily basis in the off season. What are the, what are some of the main things that you look that you're looking for this week that that aren't necessarily changing the narrative related? Yeah. When you talk about yeah. just your your other platform. Yeah, for me, I'm like, who's going to dominate in the West? Like, yeah. for me, yes, it's Alabama, but Alabama's beatable, and Clemson showed us that. And I also love in that national championship game that. That Dabo did it in a way that was different, contrary to Nick yeah. Saban. I found that to be so, so exciting. If it was two Sabans or two Dabos, I don't mm -hmm. think it would have been as, as exciting. You can do it a different way than Lord Saban. Um, they're readable. So there's that. I think his coaching turnover uh, contributed to that. I think LSU is on the come up. I talked to Ed Ogeron earlier this week about that. And because of my relationship with them, I could ask him this without him being offended by it. But I was like, you know, coach, there were many, many people. And I, and I would call him out last year. They were just keyboard warriors. They were like, he's going to be the first coach fired. They're going to yeah, suck. Yeah. It's gonna, da, 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 da. And they proved him all wrong. And I said, what'd that do for you? And he said, I'll be lying if I tell you that it didn't have a you know, light and inner fire in me. As and it should. It was, dis you know, it was disrespect. And um, so LSU, man, what Jimbo Fisher is doing, mm -hmm. I think sometimes in life, as a as you know, civilian, a head coach, whatever it is you're doing, sometimes you just need fresh air. Yeah. You need new landscapes, you need new people. It had gotten stale at FSU. Whether that's all on Jimbo or not, it had gotten stale. And some things had started to erode there. And now he's there at Texas AM where he has every resource, all the money, but he also has all the pressure. Yep, all the pressure. Seventy five yeah. million dollars to do that. That'll do that. <laughs> and a blank trophy will do that. Oh <laughs> gosh, that, that trophy trophy plaque, whatever that was, that was <laughs> awful. Oh, why did they do that? Who's the who's the person or the coach that you've you've seen this week? Maybe you haven't met him before, maybe you have, that you just came away and you're like, that that kid, that coach, they were super impressive. Yeah. I hate to be cliche when I say this, but man, Tua was like ridiculous. Yeah. I told him, I said, do you know you're like a mini Saban? Like one of the things you just said about how we win, whether we win or lose, because we learn something from him. I'm like, that's a Saban cliche. He's been yeah. saying for years. He's like, oh, 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 I don't know if I want to be a mini Saban. Is that a compliment? I don't know if I want to be a yeah. mini Saban either. Yeah. yeah, I know. And he was like, I said, well, he's the one of the or the most you know powerful coach in college football history. But he's successful, no doubt. Yeah. Um, so he was, he's so poised, he's so young. But I think this whole league is trending younger. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, uh, player, you know, development, that's training, that's eating, that's regimen, that's training with this trainer, that's doing this. I mean, 
you know, gone are the days where you had to be a junior or senior to start a quarterback, you know, also in the NFL. Yeah. That goes up in the NFL. Um, but two is very, very intriguing to me. What about Ole Miss bringing a Matt Corral, redshirt freshman? Yeah, I mean that can either go way great for them or way wrong yeah. for them. And this is a pivotal year for Matt Luke. Matt Luke is the yeah. son of Ole Miss. He's you know the lovable former lineman. Mm-hmm. But man, if he doesn't win this year, you know there are people that are already starting to turn on him. Oh, absolutely. And kind of viewed as this like stopgap. Yes, of. a stopgap to their next big great coach. Yeah. And I hate that because I love Matt Luke. It's and it's frustrating because he's he's caught in, a, in an odd position. We've talked about it on the podcast before. We like him a lot, and we we think that he was just put in a really tough situation with the scholarship limitations. Yeah. The fact that you can only have a four-year deal in the state of Mississippi makes it really awkward too. But what is your maybe maybe you've had time to think about this? Maybe you haven't. Yeah. Your boldest take for the 2019 season maybe it's a prediction maybe it's somebody that you think is just going to make this this run that we we're nobody seeing this type of thing coming what's the the boldest thing that you've been kind of stewing about this offseason um it may not it's not gonna happen this year but it's more of a long-term thing i think jeremy pruitt is going to return tennessee to like a new year's six oh okay i do i think the staff that he's built around him um, yesterday, he, he walked in there and was really giving himself hell on, uh, well, uh, you know, I, I didn't do this, I didn't do that, and I was, too, you know, and He's I so talked blunt. to my wife. I know, it's great. He's like, I talked to my wife, and she said, if you had brought me to town earlier, it would have, you know, been better. And, and I said to him, Coach, no disrespect um, to what, you know, to you evaluating yourself, because we all need to evaluate ourselves, but you had a program that was not in a good state to turn around. Right, right. I mean, you had things that you had to do, and I didn't say it in the big room, but I want to say you had to weed players out that were MAC players and get SEC, I call it roster grooming. Yeah, You had to yeah. slap some beard oil on that. A little bit. You know, so things he had to do, and that Tennessee turnaround is not a one-year turnaround. Yeah. But I think this year, and especially in year three, you're going to see start to see success. And a lot of people believe he's going to be the guy to replace Saban. I'm like, whoa. That's a little early. Little I don't early. want that job. I want to be the guy who replaces the guy who replaces him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Let somebody else fail before you, and then you can kind of come yeah. in and save the day there, Bama. Just kind of like what Saban did yeah. in a way. So that, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. Rachel, we appreciate you coming on. Best Thank of luck to everything you. you're doing this, this year, this week, everything. Great stuff as always. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Appreciate Rachel for, for coming on. Um, talking to us at SEC Media Days while everybody's busy. It's it's weird that that was already three weeks ago that we were in Birmingham. Yeah. I don't know what, what time is anymore, apparently. but It's a flat circle, just like the earth. Um, it really yeah, is. Yeah, I, I have no idea what time. We've struggled with our time today. It's been <laughs> weird. I'm a walking zombie. You're not in your home office and, and in your comfort zone. We, we have... I, you know, I, I think I've struggled with words even more than I usually do today. Yeah, we're, we're both all out of sorts. We're, we're, we're in recovery mode today. That's all right. Um, we do. We don't have questions in the document that we have pulled out for fourth and wrong. But <laughs> wait too much time you, to do, do that. you do have uh, fourth and wrong questions for us. So basically what that means is that Marler is going to be coming up with these. And I am have no idea what's coming. So that's going to make for some interesting answers here. So let's, let's do it. I mean, ad-libbing is what I do for... 90% of this job, so it's fine. Right. Um, all right, so each and every week we ask you guys to do submit your questions for Fourth and Wrong, what questions or non-football-related questions or advice you want answered. Um, make sure you join the SDS Podcast Facebook group and and put your answers in there. That's where we get most of these from. A lot of good fun stuff and content and debate on that uh, in that group anyway. So anyway, your first question. Um, let's see here. By Bradley Zane Zimanek, what is your favorite interaction with a home fan at game day when you visited for a game between your team and theirs? Okay, so I personally don't have one, but I would say I, that, that's such a cop-out answer. But I will say just in general, I liked what we what we dealt with at the SEC championship game. I thought the Georgia yeah. fans, you know, after, you know, we did, a, we did like a post-touchdown celebration video of like, you know, how, how you were doing overall, and I think they, they might have gotten a dirty bird in there in yeah. one of them. But after that, as the game progressed, they were actually even nicer, which makes no sense because yeah, was a nice guy. you being a Bama fan. I was so yeah, reasonable, I mean, though. I, like, I was I was cheering hard as blank for my team, but, like, I, I, I feel like I'm pretty fair with Georgia fans. No, I thought and I thought you were, too, yeah. and I thought that's why they ultimately warmed up to you because I think you were – 
you're being you're being respectful towards them and when you can just realistically talk with another fan base about yeah. what your expectations are for a given week and you could both kind of like share your misery together yeah. to a certain extent i think that that's the the best way to interact with an opposing fan base because you can have all those thoughts in your head of like hey did you see what what the sc- you see what the score is right yeah. now you can have all those thoughts but to actually like let them come out I, i'm not i'm not a big uh, I, I'm not a big believer in talking the trash. obnoxious fan. See, I've, I've, I was an obnoxious fan in person for most of my life, and I finally realized afterwards, I was just like, you know, it's just not like, I one, I don't like getting it back. I remember, I'll tell you what, I remember a guy named Pat Stewart, I went to college, was a really good guy. Um, after the 2015 Ole Miss game, when it was the second year in a row they beat us, and I, I remember putting on Facebook, I was like, well, I guess I'll just go drink till I can't feel feelings anymore. And the only response I got back, because like as a Bama fan, you all, they're always winning, and I was a pretty obnoxious person for a, lar- like a large part of my twenties. And I remember, no. I remember the first first comment that was left on there was was him <laughs> going, uh, "Yeah, no one feels sorry for you, Chris." And that was it. And I was like, "Oh, that hurts." Um, but yeah, it's, it's probably fair. I'll say this: I'll, I will cop out. I'll say that my favorite comment that's ever been made at a game. This was brought up on our bachelor party this weekend. My buddy Brian Grubbs brought this up. We were going to the 2008 Iron Bowl. Um, me and my dad went. We got there kind of early. And uh, and <laughs> the team was walking out of the, the hotel like to like their meetings or whatever. And so there's all these fans, Bible Belt Bama fans all around, just like, go get them, y'all. So proud of you. Roll Tide. Come on. like we, We're going to win today. And I will never forget, Mark Mark Ingram is walking out. He's like right towards us. And I have my like digital camera out, and I'm like recording all this. And all of a sudden, you just hear, like amongst all the high fives and roll tides and go Bama, go get them, PG stuff. My dad just looks at Mark Ingram and he goes, run it down their effing throats, Mark. <laughs> and, and Mark Ingram's eyes got like like super big, and he goes, uh, uh yes, sir. And like, and like gave him like a fist bump, and I was like, good God. It was very aggressive. Um... Anyways, that is that is question number one. Question number two. So Michael Simmons turned this in. He said, "What's more annoying, gnats or mosquitoes?" And then in parentheses, he said, "See Auburn fans or Florida fans." We're gonna disregard that part of it. But what's more annoying, gnats or mosquitoes? It's mosquitoes, and it's not close because <gasps> a mosquito, you have to go, you have to deal with that pain and that annoyance after the fact. Yeah. I last week got four mosquito bites on my ankle. How that's possible, I have no idea. Apparently, I must have fallen asleep outside and got four mosquito bites on my ankle because why didn't I notice the four mosquitoes on my ankle? Yeah. But that is an ongoing pain, and you gotta be, you gotta, you gotta scratch it. And it's just, it's annoying. A gnat in the moment probably a little bit more annoying than a mosquito but overall something that you, you just have to deal with for like three or four days after yeah no no i'll, I'll deal with I'll, I'll deal with gnats over mosquitoes okay so you've never been to savannah have you well no obviously because then that would have changed my answer yeah apparently. so savannah sand Nats is like the name of their minor league baseball team they had there for years we played we played armstrong atlantic state uh every single year in savannah um and it is the most it is it is the worst outdoor experience I've I may have ever had as a as a, a human being. It, the sand that's probably exaggerating, but like the sand nets the sand nets were so awful and they're they're everywhere and you can't you can't spray enough like bug spray on you and they're just constantly surrounding you constantly on you. There's a worst. It is the absolute worst. Mosquitoes. I don't really have a problem with mosquitoes. I don't ever get bit by them. Allie does all the time. What? Yeah. Oh, so no wonder you're saying yeah, that. I'm immune to that kind of crap. But um, yeah, I mean, like we'll walk around with Allie, and, and her legs will look like a like a those pin boards you play at like the uh, what do you call it at Waffle House, the little tea game. They're just dots everywhere. Just it's, it's craziness. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see here. Third question from Cody Helton. If you had <laughs> this, and I, I include this because of Allie, it said if you had one non-SEC school you had to tailgate at for the rest of your life. Where would it be, or who would it be? Allie commented on this in all caps, answer carefully, as a big Oregon State crowd. So, what would you say? I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go biased here. Uh, to, to tailgate at a non-SEC school, oh boy, actually, now I'm having second thoughts. I was My, my initial gut reaction is where I went was, to college. I went oh, to Indiana, oh, all right, as we've said multiple times. Indiana tailgating... You can say, the game atmosphere is, is, is terrible. It's one of the worst in Power yeah. 5. Nobody's arguing that. But if you've not been to an Indiana tailgate, Indiana tailgates are awesome. I have experienced way more, way more extreme, like, 
peak college situations at Indiana tailgates yeah. that than you would have ever imagined. But Ain't no I won't party say like a that. Scranton party because the Scranton party don't stop. Oh, they don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I will not go with Indiana because that's that's too biased. Ohio State tailgating is not very good either. Um, but I'll probably give the edge. I would love to tailgate at Iowa forever. Yeah, Iowa to me, like I the because I've tailgated there probably like two or three times. Um, yeah, th- th- that'd be the one that I'd go with just based on how early they start for eleven o'clock. Those eleven o'clock games, yeah. they'll start at five in the morning. Yeah, and to, to me, yes, that would get very tiring. But can't, I would can't never ever have the to day worry. You don't start at breakfast. I mean, a lot of people say that. That's that's what I've heard. So Iowa to me is, is is fun. It's very it's very inclusive. Great atmosphere. You get a, you get that fall chill going too. Yeah. I, I need that fall chill. That's important. Okay, that, that's a really good point. Um, non SEC. So Clemson, like I've said, has always been fun. I enjoy the Clemson tailgates. Um, I've never been to an Oregon State tailgate, so I'm not going to answer Oregon State, Allie. If you're listening, I'm glad you weighed in on this. I really say have... Oregon. <laughs> Allie, I'm just kidding. You wouldn't walk me. into that, that store that had all, like, the duck store. We were there in, in Oregon. Um, yeah, I'm not gonna say Oregon, but uh, you know, this is tough. I'm, you know, you know what I would say is Arizona State. Ooh, Arizona State's campus is awesome. Yeah. I was there like really? a long, long time ago. Yeah, back in like sixth grade, took like a spring training vacation. Oh, cool. There and was able to go on their campus. So as a sixth grader. Um, even then, I remember yeah. thinking, oh, my gosh, this would be incredible to go to school here. That's I, a good answer. I just think that – thank you. I, I think that, like, somehow out west, like, like we talked about this the other day like when we were out in Vegas. Like, I said this out before. Like, California, like, it's just obnoxious to see, like, these pictures because it's like, oh, my gosh, this beautiful sunset and this, like, pristine beaches and it's cool because it's not, it's not super hot and there's no humidity and, and there's these palm trees. And it's like, oh, yeah, and by the way, we got just a bunch of mountains in the background for no reason. Like, it's just the landscape out there is, is incredible. Um, Arizona State, I love you, Allie, but Arizona State, from everything I've seen from a co-ed standpoint, I, I wanted to go back to college after seeing Mizzou play Arizona State 2012. It it looks incredible. Um, Arizona probably is the same. I would take Arizona too. But Plus, Herm Edwards, um, a pre-Herm Edwards game tailgate is apparently fantastic. Oh, from what I've heard. I'm sure. I'm sure. So I would take that. But that's three, right? We need one more? Yeah, we need one more. Okay, so let's see here. I kind of want to go. I, you, you, well, you gambled this week, so this is what Brian Oliver says: When you're on a heater, dot dot dot. What is the one thing you never do? Welcome back, by the way. Count your money. Oh, I do that all the time. Really? Oh, okay. I would say that that's the one. When I started, when I started to do that, and I started to make mental notes, I just had kind of an idea of when I wanted to stop. Yeah. I was like, all right, if I. Like one of those where you're like, all right, next hand I lose, I'll, I'll probably dip out. And I was gambling for much lower stakes than you. But when I got to up to a certain point in blackjack mentally, where I was like, ah, oh, things are things are going pretty well, and I don't need to keep playing this yeah. because it, it's definitely going to swing the other way, and I want to kind of get out. Maybe that's why I'm I technically was not a heater like you yeah. were. I didn't reach the point where I could get to where a, a heater was. You know, I, I like I was like looking at a mountain, and I got to you know like. 2,000 feet of elevation instead of, like, 4,000 feet of elevation yeah. that you were on. See, I'll say this. The heater the heater I was on, I brought a certain amount of money with me to gamble. My friends were incredible on this trip. They did everything that I wanted to do, which, which and they catered to all of it, which was, again, like, just to be honest, you know this. Gamble. It was drink and gamble. It's all I wanted to do the whole time. So, and that's all we did. I had a great time. Um, but... When when I br- I brought a certain amount of money to gamble and I was okay with losing it because it was like this is I you know I've been looking forward to my bachelor party I've put this money aside this is gonna be what I'm I'm gonna bring with me. I was down to about like I was I, I'll I'll say this on the last day of the money I made it was over ten times what I had to start the day. Holy cow! It was That's I was right. I was down I was down a lot, um, but the one thing I so I I do count like where my chips are because I'm like all right this is where I'm at this is where I don't want to lose here's here's like my plus fun basically okay like this is where I'm okay to not not bet too much on what you don't want to do is start varying your play first off one one reason I kept losing all this money and Rich Janowski's gonna like, kill me for this is because I kept betting the field bets and craps which looks so inviting because it's like. If you win, if you hit a two, a three, a four, yeah, it's social, it's fun. A, yeah, a nine, a ten, eleven, or a twelve. I'm like, that's almost all the numbers. 
That's like, <laughs> yes, I'm definitely doing that. So what I what I didn't realize I was doing because I was so drunk is like, because they bring you free drinks the whole time. I, I was betting on the field and I was just contradicting myself. So it's like, I, I would I would miss the field bet, but hit like my eight that I was betting on. And then just, so I was just collecting like three total dollars. Like I lost 15. Socialist. It's just so stupid. So what you don't want to do is, especially, and I'll say just, just for craps, is you don't ever, ever, ever say, well, it's been a while since somebody rolled a seven. Like she's really, or she's really rolling well. Or Like you just, you want to enjoy it. You want to cheer for the other person, in my opinion. Um, but I, I mean, this happened the last bachelor party I was on. We were in, in New Orleans. And somebody came up and was like, like I'm, I've, it's like late, late at night or early morning, and I'm like, I've got money out there, and this guy comes up and he's teaching the game to his buddy. He's like, so look, if if this person, if a six, an eight, or a nine hits, then he wins, he wins, but if a seven hits, all the money on the board goes away, and sure as blank, the next roll was seven. a seven, and I was like, you got to be effing kidding me! Like I about lost yeah. it, and then he did it again, told him the same exact thing, like the next next roll. And sure enough, a seven comes out. So that's what you don't want to do is start throwing out bad luck like that, putting bad juju out there in the atmosphere, or the universe. So there you Fair go. Fair enough. That was good. Um, so last week in our rush to get our, to our respective bachelor parties, I accidentally skipped it might mean too much. So oh. that's on me. This was from this was from last week. Um, so my apologies. I almost led the pod with that. And I was like, hey, since I forgot to do it, i just give, give you double. But... We found out that there is a certain horse uh, that is named after Tua, and he just won the three-year-old five division at the Shenandoah Classic. It was his first showcase event, Tua the horse, um, and next up is the World Championship Horse Show, and there was, so the best part of it, there was like a picture on Facebook kind of like promoting that and pro- promoting the, the recent success, and um, so it had all that info on it, and at the bottom, it says roll to a roll because that's what horses do. They uh, they embody quarterbacks, college quarterbacks, and they perform exactly like them. So far, that's been the case, though. Yeah, that's fair. I don't know much about horses. I gambled on some horses though too this weekend. Did you? Oh, okay, that's very on brand for yeah. you. <laughs> I won. Would you gamble on? Would you gamble on two of the horse? Connor, I would gamble on two of the horse. Well, no, I was gonna say I would gamble on horse fighting if that was a thing, but I wouldn't gamble on. Not like, a thing yet. A, nope. It, well, it could be. It could be. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't gamble on two of horse fighting, but I would gamble on two of the horse, yes. Okay. No. That, uh, yeah, I don't even know why I asked that question. I knew the answer. What was the season? What was it? Hold on, real quick. What was the, the episode of The Office when he's like, I can get you exotic meats? Giraffe burger. <laughs> <laughs> Giraffe burger. He's like, he's like, rhino steaks. He's like, it's all going to be goat. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when they're eating, they're, uh, eating the lunch of the salesman after uh, Michael Scott Paper Company. Yeah. Um, folds and they they have the the merger again and they're Michael is eating uh, Dwight's sandwich he takes a big bite out of it and Dwight goes it's pony yeah <laughs> that's right that's what it was I don't know why I just thought of that um, all right we've got a ton of five star reviews we are not gonna read all these but thank you so yeah, much thanks, to guys. everybody who sent us a five star review eventually we will get to all of these but if you have not given us a five star review you should go hop over on iTunes and make sure that you give us a lovely five star review because we will read your name on the podcast and we will be so so appreciative of you doing that so this first one is from Shiva one two three four five six subject go Gators. Great show, funny and insightful. Only twenty four days. Yeah, got that. That was right. at the time that this review came out, so it's it's less than twenty four days now. Um, yeah. Let's see here. I'll do one from let's <laughs> M Harvey twenty five, the best SEC uh, pod. Y'all, there's one thing I love more than anything. It's college football. Connor and Chris, he spelled your name wrong, and Uncle Chris have gotten me through. Okay. Have gotten me through the off season and awesome content as well as legit football talk. These guys are football guys through and through, and if there's a cultural pod you want to listen to, it's this one. Thanks, M. Harvey25. I appreciate that. Okay. Um, this is from HB990, um, subject off-season lifesaver. Oh, we saved lives. There you That's go. good. You're welcome. Um, this podcast has been absolutely vital in getting me through the long off-season. Connor and Chris are hilarious and knowledgeable. They do an awesome job of mixing thorough, high IQ breakdown with talk of gambling and boozing keep up the great work thank you hb 990 you're welcome for that okay uh this is from maduk 147 only thing that got me to the off season looks sounds like we saved another life there we go all right um started listening to these guys last season after the florida mississippi state game 
At the time, I had to work every Saturday of the season and miss most games. Oh, man. No, not... This podcast Dang. is the perfect recap for me to feel like I was home catching every second. Connor is factual and could go toe-to-toe with any ESPN personality. And Chris's Ooh. sense of humor and life experiences at SEC Country make the podcast personable. Together, they are the perfect complement to each other and are equal parts hilarious and knowledgeable. Wish I could give 69 stars. This is the best <laughs> review we've ever gotten. I've got a long flight to Amsterdam today and have saved the last three episodes so I can have an SDS marathon on my flight. Keep up the good work, Co-Gators. Mud Duck, you know what? Thank you. DM wow. us immediately for a free prize. That is, that's the best review we've ever gotten. I have goosebumps. Oh my gosh, that was really good. We will get, to, I promise, we will get yeah. to the rest of the reviews um, with our, we, I mean, now that we have two a week, I mean, we have plenty of time yeah. to be able to get to more five-star reviews. But thank you, seriously, to everybody who has sent those. Thank you to everybody who's been listening throughout the off-season. We are here now. We will save more lives during the season if you listen to us because... You know, it's still college football season, which means there's only one game a week. Yeah. There's midweek stuff that we're going to be able to provide for you. We've got our Crystal Ball series on SDS is up and running, wherein I go in and predict every single game of the SEC schedule. The first one came out on Monday. Bama, guess what? I have, I have some high expectations of Bama this year. Stunner, I know, right? But we will go through each and every SEC team and predict the way that things are going to play out in 2019. Make sure that you are joining our Facebook group, as we said earlier, Saturday on South Podcast on Facebook. Make sure that you are watching Facebook Live every Wednesday night at 8.30. Are we sticking with 8.30? It's moving to Monday, but it's not going to be tonight. Uncle Chris needs to, uh, to get back. Okay, um, Monday, because you guys The Bachelor... The Bachelorette is, is over, and that's basically the reason yeah. for that. Um, good to know. But make sure that you follow us on Instagram, um, at Saturday Down South. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at the SDS Pod, at C Marlar SDS, at CJ O'Gara. Uh, Coach O, how did you do in Vegas with your good friend, Uncle Chris? Oh, my God. Oh, man. It might be too much. We'll talk, we'll talk to you guys next week.